John. George, it's an honor to talk to you, sir. How are you? Bad. Bad, I know. To the bone. John and George. Now, there's two good rock and roll names. I'm telling you, yeah, they've made some history, haven't they? <laughs> they sure have. Well, Mr. George Thorogood bringing his rock party tour with the Destroyers to Ruth Eckerd Hall. That's coming right up Thursday, May 18th at Ruth Eckerd Hall. I'll be there to bring you on. Well, I'll be looking forward to that. Always a trip to go to Florida, SLA. We always call Florida, I think they shouldn't call it the Sunshine State. I think they should call it the Party State. Well, it is that. That is true, man. It's, well, uh, that's, what you, that's what you specialize in in your, uh, in your state, you know, um, you know, things of that nature. And you have two Major League Baseball teams, a couple of football teams. Uh, it, it, it's, just, it's an entertainment state is what I'm trying to say. It is that. Well, George, I know uh, you mentioned baseball. Uh, you and I have got something in common. We played some baseball in our younger days. Are you kind of happy that didn't work out? Uh, let me ask you something. Um, how many how many uh, rock and roll stars say I'd rather be a baseball player? How many baseball players say I'd rather be a rock star? <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, <laughs> forget about that. <laughs> well, I'm George, sure all these baseball players—they all they all have tattoos, long hair, and earrings. Right. The rock stars and the rock stars look like ball players. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Well, George, you're forty some years into this rock and roll business. Apparently, you guys are still having fun. Well, in the, we always have a saying in uh, Bill Blau came up with this years ago, when the fun stops, it stops. Yeah. Well, tell us now, you know, your first paying gig, I understand, was when you were 15 and you played for uh, your twin sister. How did how did that come about? Uh, well, it was a band up the street. Um, I had just got a guitar for Christmas present and amplified. I didn't know how to play it at all, but I I knew a guy who was in a band, and they said they were, they were looking for a lead singer. They were looking for a singer, and this kid who was in the band said, well, George Thurder was right down the street, and he knows the words to a lot of songs. They invited me up to there to kind of do a semi-audition. I knew the words to lots and lots of songs. I don't know how good I could sing them. Yeah. But uh, their re- their repertoire kind of doubled when I got there. So I sang with them every day for, you know, a couple of weeks. And then they said, well, we'd like to do some gigs. And I said, I think I know where I can get us a gig. And I knew my sisters were having a party coming up, <laughs> a birthday party, like uh, something like that. And um, so I just mentioned it uh two of the guys in the band and one of the guys in the band was a pretty big hustler so he he got on the phone with my mother and they got to talking and my mother thought it was a really wonderful idea and uh, you know one thing led to another and bang there we were playing so but to me it was just a gig you know i something to do yeah i I didn't sing i didn't sing or perform like a professional for day one but i sure had the mindset of one so i walked in there they were like all strangers to me because it was all business to me right which uh, my, at that point, my parents would have said, well, this is obviously what this kid's cut out for. Yeah. If he just stays it long enough, eventually um, the talent uh, or whatever, in, to make this thing happen, that'll catch up to him. But, right. Uh, and see the look in his eye that this, this is what he was made to do. So, well, any of us, yeah, any of us that grew up in his 60s, you know, were mesmerized when we saw, you know, Beatles, Hendrix, or Stones on the television, but... You know, you I, I found a different inspiration as well for the blues. You found it from uh, blues guitarist Hound Dog Taylor and others. Uh, what, do you remember that specific moment where you went, wow, there's something about this blues thing I dig? Yeah, I, I, well, the Rolling Stones were a blues band before they put out Satisfaction. Right. They were, they were always talking about rhythm and blues, and they were my favorite band. So quite naturally, I said, well, I like the sound that they did, and I read a lot of interviews by them, read a book by them, and, they brought Howling Wolf on television on Shindig, and I saw that. And I started to gravitate towards the artists that uh, Brian Jones and Keith Richards were very excited about, Bo Diddley and Howling Wolf and people like that. 
So, uh, quite naturally, I got into Chuck Berry and Muddy Waters, uh, and I found out I was just as enthusiastic about them as I was about the Rolling Stones. So, I wanted to play the guitar like Keith Richards, I wanted to perform like Mick Jagger, and I wanted to look like Brian Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, who wouldn't, right? Right, at that time, of course. Yes, exactly. So I said, well, the way to that road to that thing is you got to check out this blues stuff. So it was more like a um, more like a um, technical schooling thing than it yeah. was a passion. You know, when I, of course, when I did see Hanvel Taylor, I said, that's it. That's what I should be doing: playing with a trio, not performing alone, doing, yeah. putting an electric guitar and doing what he's doing. Well, and two of your guys, your drummer Jeff Simon and Billy Blau on bass, they've been with you since the '70s. You guys must get along, okay? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I, sometimes I question their sanity or their loyalty. <laughs> I, I don't know which is stronger. You'll have to talk to them. Right. Maybe that'll be our next interview, right? Well, George, uh, I've always been curious. Where did where did you get the nickname Lonesome George? Where's that come from? Uh, there was some, actually, the guy who uh, wanted me to come sing in the band, who was doing an audition to sing in the band, gave me that nickname because of, uh, and he was kind of a playboy kind of guy and always had girls around him, and I never did. They used to tease me all the time and say, there goes Lonesome George, because I never had any girls. And <laughs> I did, so somehow it just stuck. It, it, it all seems to flow together. I always like to announce when you're coming to town, hey, it's Lonesome George and the Delaware Destroyers coming to town. And that's who we're talking to, by the way. George Thorogood, the Rock Party Tour, coming to Ruth Eckert Hall Thursday, May 18th. Now, who comes up with uh, tour names? I mean, I, you know, ZZ Top always has some random names. And Rock Party Tour, that's a good one. But who comes up with those uh, tour names? Well, we usually get a whole list there. We start thinking of what we're... I, I know I don't. I certainly didn't think of the title Badder Than Ever. I, I didn't never care for that. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's beyond my control sometimes. And then the promoters like that is something they can hook on to, and uh, the publicist thinks of it. You know, I have just generally thrown in the towel and say, well, you know more about it than I do. But uh, <laughs> when the rock party thing, I said, well, that's what we are, aren't we? Jeff? Yeah, that I mean, makes sense. I and mean, that's what the destroyers are. I mean, it's just, it's just a natural fit. So if someone said, what is George Stove in the stores? They're an American-made rock party. Yeah. We're not a mystery, you know. No. Uh, Pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, that's, I've had people come and see his play, and I'm scratching. So I don't get it. I said, well, you're not supposed to get the plot of the Three Stooges. <laughs> that's perfect. Oh, it's been, God, I'm look, I'm, it's been at least, uh, I don't know, 25 years since I've seen you perform, so... I'm looking forward to uh, that Thursday night, May 18th, again at Ruth Eckert Hall. George, I got to ask you, what you know? You mentioned uh, your love for the Rolling Stones in the early days, and probably still. What was that phone call like? Or do you remember exactly when they asked you to open up for them for the Tattoo Tour in 1981? How was that? They didn't. I I I, I was 100 instrumental in that. Oh, you you initiated that? Oh yeah, everybody does. You know. <laughs> When, you, when something like that is open, you know, unless it's a rare case, you know, Eric Clapton calls Jimmy Vaughn or Gary Clark Jr., but generally when one of the big superstar bands go on the road, everybody, you know, puts puts in a pitch. To, I to see. Want to be on. It's like saying, well, Marlon Brando's making a movie, and everybody goes, well, I want to be in it. <laughs> well, of course. Okay. Well, that of makes course. sense. Yeah. Uh, yes. So I, I was uh, proactive in that thing all the way. I mean, I wouldn't let our booking agent rest until he talked, made Bill Graham's life miserable. Yeah. So I only wanted one gig, and we did get one gig, and from that it was like another one added, just like any other rookie. If sure. you get a couple of hits in the lineup, they put you in the next day. Right. Well, let me rephrase the question. And okay, what was it like that first show opening up for the Stones? I, you know, it was really. I we we took it for what it was. It was, it was over a hundred thousand people, and I think our biggest audience at that time might have been 
oh, I don't know, we've done a couple of festivals where it was like 10,000 or something, but that yeah. was rare for us. We used to play small clubs. So we just took it for what it was. We just went out there and had a lot of fun. Uh, it was like 11.35 in the morning. Um, and we plugged in, ripped it up for about 35, 40 minutes. Bill Grant kept sending us back out, sending us back out, sending us back out. And we did. We kept playing everything. I think we did about five different versions of Johnny Be Good. And, <laughs> you know, that goes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but we, we, were, we were just doing it for what it was, just had a lot of fun figuring it was just going to be today and today only. And on top of it, before I even went on, I got to meet um, I got to meet three of the Rolling Stones before we went on. So that was uh, that, that was a real rush. I got to meet the Rolling Stones before I ever saw them play. So wow, that was, that was that was that was a real that was a real thrill. So all all was a, it was a great day. I never thought I'd be asked again. I mean, I was off the stage, tallying off, and Bill Graham was already in our face. What are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> uh, that was cool. See what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It, was, it just went like that almost every day. Well, George Thorogood and the Destroyers coming to Ruth Eckert Hall May 18th. I'm looking forward to seeing you then, George, and safe travels to you in the meantime. Rock and roll never sleeps. It just passes out. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.